Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bisking. And on this week's episode, I welcome Joe Rosenberger of Tiny Superheroes onto the show. But before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, Edward Jones, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Joe Rosenberger. Joe Rosenberger, welcome to the STLers podcast. I appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited um, to dive into to your business and your views on leadership. I think what you guys do is actually remarkable. Um, and so um, I think it's just a really cool business. And I think everybody in St. Louis should know about it. And so this is my way of trying to share share the news of what you guys do. So let's kind of start there. Talk to us about growing up and what led you and your wife to starting Tiny Superheroes. Um, all right. Well, um, so I grew up in central Illinois. Um, I went to college in Illinois, university of Illinois, um, moved away, um, after college and then moved to the St. Louis area where my wife grew up. She's from Kirkwood. Um, she went away to college and then came back to college and, um, in the St. Louis area. And I was going to grad school out at, um, UMSL and she was finishing her undergrad out at UMSL. Um, and that's where we met. Um, and when I met my wife, she was, um, she's always been entre- entrepreneurial. Uh, when I met her, she was running a videography business called Big Red Box Productions. Um, and because it was, you know, a videography business and, and she loved video and stuff, but you could tell it was, she was more, you know, she, she liked the business aspect of things. Um, after we met, um, it wasn't something she wanted to do long-term. So you know, we did kind of move her business out um, where we, we moved to. We moved to Seattle, Washington for about five and a half years. Um, and she did some video work out there, but ended up getting other work. Um, and we were, you know, we kind of established ourselves out there. We got married out there, bought a house, um, started careers, uh, had our first two kids. Um, and as she was, uh, as we had our first kid, right after we had our first kid, she was working at this, I always joke is a cushy software company um, because it was like uh, they had a chef, a full-time chef. She got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They had like two full-time masseuses. Oh wow! Um, I know it was it was pretty obnoxious, but it was <laughs> yeah. it was kind of it was kind of nice because I got to take advantage of some of those things. Um, but because at, you know, if at, you probably talked to you know a lot of business leaders and entrepreneurs, you know, 
even though it was like a, an awesome job like that, it wasn't really fulfilling for her. It was kind of like, you know, they didn't run their business well, but they were just making a lot of money because they were making an app. She wasn't really challenged. They probably had two more, two, or they had many employees and they didn't need as many as they probably had. So she wasn't really challenged. And during that time, um, she was reading a blog about a um, girl named Brenna. Um, and she, the reason she knew Brenna is my sister graduated with Brenna's mom. Um, in high school back in my hometown in Springfield, Illinois. Um, and Brenna was born with a very rare skin disorder called Harlequin ichthyosis. And Brenna was born about the same time as our oldest. Um, and so I think that like, as Robin, my wife is reading this blog, she's relating it to herself because, you know, we have a son about the same age and he's not even a year old. Um, and around the same time, or maybe it was probably maybe a year or so earlier, I'd bought her a sewing machine that sat in a closet um, for, for that year or two. And uh, she broke it out and like, was uh, just kind of for fun, made a superhero cape for our nephew, made one for our son. And I think like even made us a couple and we wore them for um, Halloween that year. Um, so that was, that was going on 10 years ago, I guess. Um, and just at the same time when she's reading this blog, she's like, you know what, this girl, Brenna, I think she's super. I'm going to send her a cape, a superhero cape. So she just kind of randomly sent her a superhero cape. Um, and Brenna's mom just coincidentally was a photographer and took a bunch of pictures and sent them back. And it was like really cool. Um, and uh, Robin was like, wow, that's, that's really neat. Let, I'm going to do that again. So she found some other people online that were dealing with extraordinary things and big challenges and sent them some superhero capes, some kids. Um, and um, early on, uh, one of these kids she sent the cape to um, had a family friend who worked for like a local news network in Washington, DC, and also part-time wrote for uh, the todayshow.com and contacted us and wanted to do us a little, little piece on, on these, these superhero capes. And so she, did a little piece on the todayshow.com and we got some publicity out of it. And it was, it was people were reaching out to us and wanted capes for, for their kids and their family friends and someone they knew. And so she started sewing capes. We had to get some other volunteers involved to help sew capes. <laughs> and, um, all this time, you know, I'm working my day job, which is um, my backgrounds in human resources. She's working at this tech company and, um, She's still, you know, trying to send out these capes um, to these kids that keep, you know, these family members that keep reaching out to us. And about six months in, she got a phone call from uh, ABC World News with Diane Sawyer. Wow. And be because of the, yeah, because of the like little thing we had on the todayshow.com, we know that, well, this is going to be probably bigger. And it was, it was funny because <laughs> it was like this moment in our life where it's like, I either need to quit doing this and just go back to my day job or quit my day job and <laughs> right. just do, just do this. Right. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, we talked about it, of course, but then it was like, you know, we'll, we'll never know unless we try. And kind of, as I'd mentioned, you know, I think Robin is just, she's, she's a, a visionary. She's an entrepreneur. Um, she was never going to be long-term at this cushy software company. Cause it just, you know, drove her nuts. Yeah. Um, and she need, she needed to build, she needed to create. And so, um, she, uh, she, we went with, we went for it and that was, um, that'll be nine years ago in 
So we sent Brenna's cape out in January. So it'll be nine years this coming January. Wow. What and, a cool uh, story. Yeah. And like the officially formed an LLC and um, she started doing it full time. It'll be May, I think of uh, May of this coming, this coming May, it'll be nine years. So um, yeah, it's been, how did the ABC thing go? Did that help prompt more, more sales? Yeah. Yeah. So that um, kind of, as we expected, you know, it was kind of a big deal. They sent a crew out from, I guess, from, I'm assuming they, they're from New York or uh, to Seattle where we lived at the time. And we had a, uh, a little office. Um, they videotaped us in the, in the office at home. My, my son was, you know, like a year old at the time. And he's in some of that video if you ever find it. Um, but yeah, it, they, they did this whole story on it. It was, it was, it was really cool. It's, it was a yeah. great story, but yeah, it just kind of like it made it blow up. And it was interesting because then going forward, those things kind of happened where like we get some publicity and there was a big, you know, jump in business. Sure. Um, and then that would kind of dwindle off and then it would happen again. Um, and it was, it was interesting as a, you know, as trying to build a business is you, obviously it's hard to do it if you're just counting on publicity in these like spikes oh, yeah. and spikes in business and spikes in demand, how can we make it sustainable? And that's been kind of like, you know, that was kind of the early stages of the business is how can we make it sustainable um, so that we don't have to rely on the Diane Sawyers of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me back up a minute for those who don't know. Um, if, and by listening to this episode already, if you're already into it, you got to probably have a good idea what tiny superheroes does. But for those who don't know, Joe, tell us a little bit more about what you guys do and what your mission is. So we're, uh, we used to call ourselves a tiny Cape company with, um, with a super big mission, <laughs> but, um, we are a company that helps empower kids and family that are dealing with um, unique challenges or unique needs. Um, and we start that off with a superhero cape. Um, so typically, um, friends or family of uh, what we call a tiny superhero, um, which could be you know any sort of child that's dealing with um, some sort of challenge, um, we'll nominate them to be a part of our tiny superhero squad, and we'll send them a superhero cape. Um, and then that's the beginning of their journey. Um, and uh, we'll continue that through some of our programming. So for example, we have a monthly uh, mission program where the kids can participate in character building monthly missions. And once they complete the mission, they'll get um, a special patch. Uh, they'll earn a patch for their cape that can be, can be ironed on. So it's, they start with this cape and then as they've been part of our squad, they fill up their cape with patches, which is uh which has been really cool to see. Um, oh, absolutely. The, the cool part about it is, you know, when, as I was talking earlier, my wife just kind of started it cause it was kind of, kind of a fun idea, but it's, um, it's really, we didn't realize that it would empower and mean something to these families and these kids, uh, which has caused us to continue to keep working at it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think it's really cool how you, how, how it can empower not only a kid, but a family and, and, and a time that they're obviously being very challenged. Um, I, think, I just think your whole mission, I think it's really cool. And I think the whole story of how I got started and how it kind of took off is, um, is also really, really neat. You mentioned kind of in the beginning, some of the challenges that you were faced were, you know, how do you sustain a business out of this and not just rely on the publicity? How have you guys shifted your, your business model over the you know, nine years to be able to sustain the business? 
Yeah, that's um, that's a good a good question. It's been a it's been an interesting journey for sure. So initially, as I mentioned, you know, kind of we just kind of survived by initial, which kind of launched us into a business is just kind of initial publicity. Then we were trying to kind of define a model on how that would work in order to sustain it. So from like a social enterprise type perspective, the first thing that like, you know, we thought of is if you're familiar with like the Tom shoes of the world, or if you know, Bomba Bomba socks, where it's kind of like a buy one, donate one model. So um, anytime you buy a pair of Tom shoes, they donate a pair of Tom shoes. Bomba socks does the same thing. Um, So we initially were looking at kind of like a, uh, um, a one-for-one type of thing. So, um, these, these capes, uh, one of the things that we've started from the beginning is we don't want it to be a financial burden to the families, because even though these families come from all sorts of different backgrounds, um, when you're dealing with, you know, a medically complex kid, for example, that's really expensive. And we don't, we want to be able to empower those families too. We don't want them to have an additional financial burden if they want to be uh, part of our tiny superhero squad. Right. So we were, we were looking for like a sponsorship type model where it's you sponsor one and we, we, we donate that. And we had a wait list of kids and all this stuff, but that became really challenging right off the bat because we would get tons of new nominations a day, but we then sp- had to spend all our time trying to find uh, sponsors for each of those nominations, which was just, it was, it was, it was very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, so about, um, Three or so years ago, um, we, uh, Rob and my wife developed this um, kind of this mini crowdfunding idea. Um, and, and one of the interesting things about these um, um, these communities, these these uh, families, uh, is they have they have their own network of people who want to help. And sometimes when you know you're going through a challenge in your life, you know people want to help, but it's hard to it's hard to know how to help. So we we kind of developed this. Um, this mini crowdfunding campaign. And so what'll happen nowadays is if um, you have a, have a, a kid you want to nominate as a tiny superhero, you can go on our website and you nominate them. And once you nominate them, we'll create a mini crowdfunding campaign that we just ask you to share. You know, people share it on Facebook, they can share it via text message, um, however they want to share it. Um, and then their community, their network can help fund the tiny superhero cake. Um, and the, the beauty of this, the really cool thing about it is, again, it's, there's no risk, you know, there's no um, commitment, there's no need to raise any funds. Some people raise zero, some people raise hundreds of dollars, if not more. Um, every kid will get a cape regardless. Um, but kind of the beauty of the model thus far is around 30 to 40% of those campaigns that we create um, raise money. Um, so we're looking, you know, 60 to 70 raise nothing, even though all kids will still get a cape though, but that 30 to 40% that's raising money um, to date has raised enough money to fund hundred percent of those nominations. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So it's, it's made it a little more sustainable and then we're not having to constantly, you know, solicit sponsors or anything um, because these, these families have a community that want to give and we're giving them an opportunity to give. Um, and it's still, it's, it's no obligation. And, but it, it is, it is also cool for those families or those, networks that do raise money they're also they also know that you know you raise enough money for your tiny superhero that was nominated but you're also for example maybe sponsoring two other tiny superheroes that didn't raise any money so it's kind of it's kind of good that you know they're they also know that they're giving back and then they're helping out their our squad as a whole yeah absolutely absolutely talk to me about COVID. how did that impact your business or did it 
Um, you know, I guess it impacted our business in the sense that, um, you know, we're a small company and we have an office and we ship ship stuff out. We have an e-commerce store. We ship out capes. We ship out patches. And um, it was hard to do that remotely. Um, so we still had to um, function in that world. But I guess the where we were lucky is the majority of our community is online. Um, and people were even online more during COVID, it seemed like. But uh, we we don't have necessarily a physical presence, even though we do have an office and we're located here in the St. Louis area. Um, majority of our, our you know, work is done through our Facebook page and through our website. So there was uh, we were lucky enough that that wasn't a huge impact to us. That's good. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let's shift gears here a little bit and talk about leadership. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier in this episode that you have a background in HR. So talk to me about, mm-hmm. you know, kind of your views on leadership and kind of what your leadership style and, and Robin's leadership style is there for tiny superheroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting. So when Robin first started tiny superheroes, um, even though, you know, I was, I've been, been there since the beginning, I, I kept my HR job and I've been working here full time for the last few years though. Um, so yeah, my background is very different from hers as I come from a corporate HR background. So when it comes to like, um, um, uh, from like a leadership perspective, I would say, you know, thinking, to, thinking back to HR as always is like, like consistency is extremely important. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's, um, especially in a small company like we have, uh, that, you know, we got to be consistent across the board because otherwise that just causes, I think, problems. Um, And I would say like one of the other things that I I see as important in, and this is always something that regardless of where I've ever been or where I've ever been exposed, communication is always a problem, regardless of how well you are communicating with your business or your employees or your customers, there's always some issue. So continuing to work on communication and, and the consistency in terms of, in terms of leadership and leading a company, leading employees has always been kind of important to me. Um, Robbins comes from a different, different perspective because I think um, she, she not, not necessarily, you know, she's the visionary of the company. So she wasn't always looking to be in the leadership role. I say she was you know, looking to, you know, start something and build something. Um, but the, I think just from, you know, my perspective, she, she has, she has the innate quality people gravitate towards her. Um, and, uh, she seems to, um, seems to be, um, a good person to, um, that people want to follow, I guess people want to, people want to get behind what she's, uh, she's, um, she's standing for building, which has been, which has been good. Her, I, I end up, uh, not necessarily, but kind of being the yin to her yang, where she can uh, she can energize people, get people behind her, and especially because of my background, you know, I can come in and make sure that <laughs> we're do- we're doing things properly and uh, we're right. being consistent with policies, procedures, designing policies, procedures, things of that nature. Um, so thus far, knock on wood, we've been a, a pretty good combo in terms of leadership. 
Well, that's really good. That's really good. We, you know, we talked a little bit ago about kind of that company culture that Robin had in, in, uh, her, her uh, soft cushy job there in Seattle. Um, but you know, you know, me being an HR, HR guy as well, you know, I talked to a lot of leaders about company culture on this podcast and how important it is to whether it's a small business or a big business. Um, but I'd be interested in getting your views on, you know, company culture, since you've obviously have a background in HR, you know, how important is that to an organization and, and how does one organization define that? How, how can you define what your company culture is? That's a good question. I, th- I think, I personally think that's difficult. Um, I think co- company culture is really important, especially with like a social mission like ours, because uh, we want some, we want people to be passionate about it. We want people to get behind it. Um, but they also have to be able to do their job. Um, and sometimes those, those lines get blurred, but I'd say the, I think company culture is so important because once it's established, it's so hard to change. Very true. Um, um, probably harder in larger companies and smaller companies, but um, it's it's definitely hard to to change. So it's something that I think is always top of mind for me because once you you know go down the wrong road, it's really hard to backtrack. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'd say like keeping that top of mind and you know trying to. Uh, when you're on the right path, try to, you know, continue to, you know, build upon it, I think is, is always important, especially because um, you don't know what the next six months, year, five years is going to look like. If you go down the wrong path, you know, your, your culture can be in a, in a bad spot and it's really hard to change that. Yeah, I would agree. I think trying to change a company culture um, that has a bad company culture is extremely hard because what, what happens is obviously you have past employees who are writing on things like Glassdoor or mm-hmm. you know, word gets out about it's not a fun place to work or a good place to work or whatever the, the case may be. And it's kind of hard to change that, that image, so to speak. Um, Definitely. but, um, you know, there's, there's ways you can do it. It just, it takes time and it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not easy. Like you mentioned. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. Have there been any books, uh, in your past that, um, you've read or, you know, articles or podcasts or videos or something you've watched that has impacted kind of how you and Robin lead your current organization? Um, that's a good question. Like, I feel like, um, I mean, there's so much more, especially with leadership, there's so much more you can do. You can always get better at it. Um, and so like, yeah, whatever I do say about leadership, obviously I have, I have room for improvement and so does Robin. Um, it's, it's hard to point at like a book in the past. That's, that's kind of in, you know, impacted us. Um, but I do have something at top of mind and it's just because Robin just finished it like the other day. Um, and then there's, there's actually two books, one that I'm currently reading the one that she just finished. Um, and it's there two books that I wish we would have read, you know, eight, nine years ago. Um, one is called the E-Myth. If you're familiar with that at all. Mm-mm. Um, I don't have it in front of me, so I, I'm, I blank on the author, but, um, it's the E stands for entrepreneur. So it's the entrepreneurial myth. Uh, and it's basically, it's, it's really interesting to the extent that the myth is that all business owners are entrepreneurs and that's just not the case. Um, and I think in the book, they give the example of like, if you like making pies and you build a business uh, around making pies, um, in an ideal world, you're part technician, part manager, part entrepreneur. Um, the problem is a lot of technicians who just enjoy baking pies end up becoming business owners. Um, and they're not the best person to do that. Um, um, when at the, at, at the end, you should start baking pies, being the, t- being the technician, then, you know, 
then you become the next person, maybe the manager, and then you become the the visionary of the business. So you got to kind of know where the role, where your role is, and where you fit in into that into that realm. Um, the other the other book that kind of goes along with this is called Rocket Fuel. If you're familiar with that, I have. Um, yeah, I've heard of that one. Um, and that's also kind of talking about roles and like what what a business needs. Like a, you know, there's a lot of business out of there that have visionary, and a lot of them become um, successful because in addition to having a visionary, you also have an integrator, someone who can take your vision and put it into action. Um, and I guess the reason I mentioned these two books is because I wish we would have read them. You know, like I said, seven, eight, nine years ago, because. Uh, what what I kind of take from them is that um, we're we all can't be everything, you know. Like you, you start a business, you want to be like, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. But at the end of the day, there's certain things you're good at, there's certain things you're not good at, and that's okay. Right. Um, and if you kind of know that, and you know your role, and you know what you're good at, you can make sure that you get people into the organization that are good at the things that you're not good at, so that you can be successful. Um, I know sometimes that's a hard pill for some people to swallow because they want to be good at everything and because it's their business and they don't want to have somebody else's hands in the pot. But at the end of the day, if, you know, you can give up some of your, your tasks or some of the things that you're holding because, you know, so-and-so can be more successful and then you can focus on what you're supposed to focus on, your business can be successful in the end. Um, And so kind of like uh, having that mindset, I think, um, is helps with a successful business and helps you get the right people in the door, the right people on the team. And uh, not that we've run into that problem in the past, like nine years, but, you know, we may have done some things different if it like we would have, you know, had that in mind, you know, nine years ago, but absolutely, um, no, I think those are top of mind. Cause yeah, I've just recently been, been diving into those. Yeah, no, I think those are not only good, good uh, sounds like good books to read, but also good pieces of advice that you mentioned there about kind of, you know, if you, you're not, don't have a strong skill set in one thing, doesn't mean, you know, you can't bring in a consultant or a coach or, you know, mm-hmm. a partner or something to kind of help you navigate that and be good at what you, you know, be good at what you are good at, right. Knowing your yeah. strengths and and not trying to be the king of everything. I think that's totally, that's, yeah, that's awesome. You totally. know, Joe, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if you can leave us with a piece of advice today, on whether it's on business or something personal, what would you leave us with today? Um, you know, the one thing that uh, I feel like has always been present in my life with work and especially in, in a business is um, never get comfortable or be comfortable being uncomfortable um, because I've, I've got to the point that like we're, at least in our, our business here, we're always changing um, and we have to change in order to be relevant and be, be you know, continue to thrive. And I, I've always kind of had the mindset that if uh, we're in a comfortable spot, maybe we, maybe we're giving up or maybe we're doing something wrong because um, once we get comfortable, that's when, you know, the floor falls out from underneath us and, you know, we have to start over. So um, a lot of people that have worked for us or worked with us, they don't always like change, but um, I feel like it's important to be uncomfortable because we're always going to be changing in order to uh, continue to try to be successful. Absolutely. No, I think that's a great piece of advice and you always got to be pushing, pushing forward. Um, you can't, yeah. you can't just settle where you're at. Otherwise to your, like, to your point, you never know what, you know, when the next day holds. So, uh, I think that's a great piece of advice. Joe, on behalf of myself and the S Taylor's podcast, I appreciate you coming on today, sharing the story of tiny superheroes and sharing kind of your, your views on leadership and culture and, um, just appreciate what you guys are doing for not only our community here in St. Louis, but just for those people in this country that, you know, kind of need something to kind of hold on to and, and get through a challenging time. And what you guys are doing is a really cool mission. And so uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you joining us today. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode with another great STL leader.